Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Zoe Rose Bryant's interview with the stars from Sanctuary, Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott, and my interview with the film's director, Zachary Wiggin. How? Yes, of course, come in. Nice place. Is this the bathroom? This needs to be cleaned. I want you to clean behind the toilet. Is that dirty? Yes. When you think of yourself, what do you see? Garbage? Oh, yes. You weren't anything. I really liked that scene. Me too. It's gonna be so weird to not have this as part of my routine anymore. What do you mean? Hey, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. Likewise. I am a huge fan of the film. It's like my favorite of the year so far. That's awesome. I've been describing to my friends as my new favorite romantic comedy. So I was curious how you guys would classify this film and what genre. The exact way that you just did. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's our hope. It's a, it, it is a, it's a rom-com, maybe a strange one, but very much a rom-com. I love that. And I was curious too, do you think this is the perfect date movie and why? I, yeah, I think it's a great date movie. Um, why is because... <laughs> well, I mean, okay, here's a basic, it's not very long, you know? Yeah, so it's like, like fun, you're, you're out of fast. there, you can get to the things that you want, you probably want to get to more. It's, it's energetic. It's colorful. It makes you. I think you leave on a happy note. Yep. You come in on a kinky note, and you leave on a happy one. It's sweet. Yeah. It's the right. It's all the right energies that you want to go into with on a. a date. You said date, starter. first date or date. I guess either one works. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Honestly, first date's probably. Better. I think it's a great first date. It's a great. It's a good first date one. Yeah. And it's such a unique film tonally. I think that it switches tones so effortlessly and efficiently. And I was curious, were there films that your director and writer pushed you to look towards to really capture that? Or how did he get you to that place to make sure? I remember watching His Girl Friday for that kind of like quick mm-hmm. um, language. And yeah, Zach, the director, talks a lot talks a lot about certain screwball comedies. You know what I mean? That is like in terms of like the language and how the dynamic of the two characters. But then visually, it has like a lot of like Korean film influence, and so I think it visually is like a certain tone, and then the style in which it's played is like a, a different tone, and it's an odd mix. But I think it works really well. And there's definitely a theatricality to it, of course, being like taking place in one location. And I was curious how much rehearsal went into, you know, prepping that environment. There wasn't very much rehearsal. I think we just like read read through the script 
twice or something and then just um, like dove in. But we both spent a lot of time like learning the script front to back really well before we would start so that it would, um, uh, so we could kind of like do anything while we were, while we were making it because it was such a fast shoot, 18 days. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the preparation was almost like preparing for a play, because um, we knew there was going to be like long sequences that we had to do, and we, some days we did a lot of pages in a row, and we weren't knew we weren't going to do that much coverage of those scenes. So you kind of had to, and and Zach had very specific blocking that he wanted to do for these scenes. So it felt like it felt like a play in that way. And I love that too, because even though it does take place in a location, I feel like it's very dynamically performed and filmed. And like you said about the long sequences, um, the one that comes to mind for me is my favorite is when she tells him that there's a camera in the room. Mm -hmm. and he just like very ballistic. And I was curious if you guys had a favorite sequence or bit in the movie. That one, but that one technically was sort of, I think, challenging but fun because you know we're obviously acting, doing the scene, blah blah. But there's a, there was a lot of camera technical things that were happening in that scene that were, you know, we had to sort of dance with each other, but also the camera. You know, that, remember the camera kind of like tilts and goes upside down, and it was all timing. And I, I sort of, it felt like choreography, and I, I enjoyed doing that. I have a lot of favorites because I genuinely had like a blast making this movie and I um, love Zach and love Chris and it was just kind of like a, a, a real dream to make um, but kind of like I don't know the, the, the more like embarrassing silly things are always my favorite like the phone in my face and like just being anytime when I get to like kind of like act like a little kid I enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> You guys have so many iconic characters in your past in your filmography thus far. Do you think of any of those past characters finding themselves in a situation like this? Anything's possible. Well, I did a movie, I you know, unintentionally, I did a movie I did a movie called Piercing that was like oh, almost a very I mean that seems like a, a mirror I mean they're they're very different very different, but they would uh they would sort of pair well together. That they, uh, that character I assume would be would slide right into this one. I don't mean that. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> and I was curious too, like we were saying earlier, this is such a totally unique and kind of weird film at times. If you could sum it up in one word, what would it be? I mean, I would just go with really something generic, like like fun. Um, and I think he'd say like toilet paper, but that's two words. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, yeah, uh, one one word is hard. Um, um, God. Pizzazz. Um, rom coms two words. Um, yeah. You got us. What you would you do? Yeah. What What would your one word be? Sultry. Ooh. Uh -huh. I like that. Okay. Great. All right. Let's roll with sultry. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, and then my last question. This is coming out next Friday, middle of the summer movie season. Why should everyone take a break from all the big blockbusters and come see your movie? Well, I... You don't have to take a break from it. Yeah, you can go do whatever you want. Do both. You can go do, go, go do it all of it. But sometimes I think, like... I think what's special about this movie is that it is really just two people talking and I think that we live in a world where there's kind of you know so much going on and a lot of times uh, films reflect that with, with like mom montages and like bombs and let's just like you know what uh, cutting to this thing and that thing and that thing and there's like so much happening and I think that um, when you take all that away and you just have two people in a room 
talking to each other, like a, a lot can happen, and it's um, pretty exciting, and um, uh, and like kind of hot, and uh, th that's my hope for people that watch this movie, that hopefully it's entertaining, actually. That's perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I love the film. Can't wait to spread the word further. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. You know this job. Your new role at the company. A CEO. Yeah, it's a really big deal. This is not a good idea to keep doing this. Hal, your new job, you wouldn't be able to do it without what I taught you. What do you want? Half of the salary for the job that I got you. You're insane. It would be a story. CEO shoves cotton swab into own penis when commanded. Denver dominatrix tells all. But, I mean, when you say it like that, it makes it sound weird. There's a camera hidden in this hotel suite. I, d I don't want to play right now. I'm not. You filmed our session secretly? But if I wanted to, I can get rid of you. Look at you. You love this. Are you excited? Take off your pants. You don't have the power. I do. What the fuck? What do you want? I unlock something in you. No. Sanctuary, sanctuary. The safe word is sanctuary. Do you even know why you're doing this? Or is this just the game? Yes. Look at me. Don't look at me. Sorry. Hey, how you doing, Zach? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm doing well today. Thank you. I'm very excited for you because um, I saw you at an event uh, yeah, a little while ago, and I remember talking with you about this movie after I saw it at TIFF and telling you, man, this movie was really <laughs> rad. It was really freaking cool. At the time, it didn't have a distributor, or you were alluding that you were in talks. Uh, right. Or it, was at, it was at the Crosby Street Hotel. I think it was maybe the Navalny premiere. Yes, I it was. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm really excited that we're finally here and we get a chance to finally talk about it. It's yeah. uh, a film that I've now seen three times at this point, and every time I watch it, I'm just like always super impressed with your handling of the characters, the control. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to first start off by asking because... You have a background of writing film criticism, doing what we do. How does that inform your decisions uh, on set with working with the actors and also coming up with the visual storytelling? Like, are you consciously aware of knowledge of what has come before in cinema history? Or are you just thinking in the moment, this is what works for the movie right now? Well, I think I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think that it's hard to be a practitioner of any art form if you don't have a really good knowledge of the history of the art form, right? Because it's like there's that old adage where it's like you're just standing on the shoulders of everybody who's come before. And I think that is absolutely true, right? You're 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 in a tradition that stretches back to the beginning of the art form. So if you're not familiar with the history of the art form, then you're really like limiting yourself in terms of all the aesthetic ideas that can be popping into your head. But then it's not necessarily something that you're always conscious of, right? Like sometimes I'm consciously thinking about, okay, like this moment should be like something out of this kind of movie or that kind of movie. And here are some good examples. Um, but then other times and more frequently and, and more with this movie, it's more of like an intuitive thing where I think that like 
I think a lot of creativity comes out of the unconscious, but you have to feed the unconscious, right? So if you watch a ton of movies and you really educate yourself about like the art form, you're feeding your unconscious with all of this like fertilizer that is eventually going to grow these like your own like creative visual ideas. You may not know like what fertilizer from what movie gave you what idea. It's all kind of mashed together in there. Um, but, but I think that that is probably how it works for me anyway. No, totally. I totally hear you on that. What movies uh, were you thinking of when you were conceptualizing uh, this film and then working on set? Uh, I imagine Hitchcock maybe had to have come to mind or well, something to that effect. Well, see, that's the, that's the funny thing. I mean, with, with Hitchcock, it, you know, his visual language is so precise and so effective. I think so that yours in this movie. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I I feel like you know Hitchcock. What what he invented stylistically is is basically unavoidable, and it's basically a building block of pretty much not necessarily all cinema, but an enormous bulk. I, you can't you can't escape it. Um, with this in particular, though, a lot of it was more intuitive because the script was so unique and unusual. Um, so it was more like just trying to find every nuance and beat and and sort of sensibility what was happening in the script and bring it to life in a visually interesting way. Um, but however, like one thing that I was thinking about more consciously was I was sort of think like originally I was thinking of it more as a psychological thriller or an erotic thriller. When we, when Mike and I first started talking about it, Micah wrote the script. Um, and, but at a certain point, see, Mike is, is very funny. <laughs> He's a great comedy writer. So we had this, kind of other like sort of secret weapon going for the story, which is that it might seem like it's a psychological thriller, but it was also quite funny as the pages were coming in. So at that point I was like, you know, it's interesting. If you think about the old screwball comedies, like His Girl Friday or Bringing Up Baby, those movies are very, very funny. I love those movies enormously. But if you look at it objectively, the things that the characters are doing to one another in those movies is like really messed up. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of incredibly like awful stuff that they're doing to each other. You know, in His Girl Friday, Cary Grant gets his ex-wife's fiance's mother thrown into jail on yeah. completely fictitious circumstances. Um and then at the same time, there's a lot of erotic thrillers or psychological thrillers that you watch, and they are funny in ways that you wouldn't expect. So one thing that I was consciously thinking about was there might be some hidden connective tissue between those genres, and maybe I could mine that for this. So I thought that could be maybe like a new little piece of cinema that we could do here. Now, this is a two-hander, takes place uh, primarily in a single location. Sometimes they go out into the hallway, but for the most part, you are in this confined set. Uh, it, it almost brings me back to old days of thinking about how to write a one-act play or being mm -hmm. in film 101 and like what is a very simple kind of setup that you can create for actors to thrive in. And these two actors here, Margaret Qualley and Chris Abbott, they're definitely thriving for sure. And I'll get to them in just a second. But I do want to ask you, what are the challenges of shooting in a confined location that you experience while shooting in this film? Yeah, so I think the, the primary challenges are visual, right? Um, you know, basically, the, the primary challenge is you want to make a movie that feels not only like you don't want it to feel like a filmed stage play. You want it to feel like a real movie. Right. So the challenges are you have to figure out 
how can I keep it visually interesting? How can I make it work as cinema and feel like, like the tension and the intensity of it does not let up over the course of the story. So in order to make that work, in order to make that happen, the, what I found was basically you have to always be throwing new looks without ever detracting from the story or the performances. You don't want to like take attention away from that, but going with the grain of the story, going with the grain of the beats and the emotions your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease you have to find a way to always be emphasizing whatever is happening in the screenplay in a way that feels new. Now, the, the good thing was what was happening in the screenplay was always new because Micah wrote this great script where there were no redundant beats. So if you're just translating each beat and there's never a redundant beat, then it's like by logic, you would never be repeating visual ideas. Um, but it's hard, right? You know, you can't go to other locations. Um, so what I found was helpful was basically I just was like, okay, I'm going to pre-block it and I'm not going to repeat any blocking positions and I'm not going to repeat any shots. So we've got 1200 square feet for the hotel suite and I'm never going to do the same shot composition twice, oh, ex except for like shot counter shot situations, um, which, which seemed at the outset very hard and was challenging. But as I got into it, it, became like not as not as scary as I as I initially thought it might be um no, and it's so thrilling to watch unfold I mean it, it, you were saying before it's like a psychological thriller and I definitely get like every single ounce of that plus the erotic thriller like you said there's comedy involved I mean it's such a varied film uh that is just crackling with energy throughout and so I, I think you absolutely nailed what you set out to do with this one i remember as soon as it was over i was like that was a blast i want to watch it again right now and i think <laughs> the audiences awesome. feel the same way too when they watch it um i do want to ask though in regards to like what is the secret sauce what what is the secret to crafting a good psychological thriller because these characters are playing mind games with each other and there's a lot of subtext to what their actions are in this uh, film. Sometimes they say it blatantly straight up, this is what I want. Other times it's character, it's one character trying to pry out of the other, what do they want? So right. what is the secret to conveying that to an audience? Oh, what's the secret to conveying psychological mind games? Okay, well, in the case of this movie, what I think we had going for us was... There's this very critical twist early on that puts the audience on the edge of their seat, ideally, and puts them in the position of detective. And, and I think that helped with, with what you're asking about, which is basically yeah. at a certain early point in the movie, the audience discovers that everything that they've watched up until that point has been scripted. And then we're like, okay, so all that was scripted, and now this is real. Okay. <laughs> and of course the audience is, but the audiences are really sophisticated. They're really smart and there's all sorts of movies and TV shows with all sorts of twists. So they're really intelligent. And so they're, they're going, wait, what if this is scripted too? What if the script didn't end? What if it's all scripted? Um, and so early on when I was developing it with Micah, we sort of realized like if we have this one sort of reveal about what's scripted early on in the story, the audience will be 
wondering in some corner of their minds whether what they're seeing is real or not as we so go true. I was second guessing everything throughout from that point on. You're totally right. And, and that I think that is maybe the secret sauce that you're referring to because it makes the audience an active participant. They're not just being told what to think. They get to play detective and try to figure out if the emotions that the characters are presenting are real or not, which of course, like it's interesting because it puts them in the position of the characters, particularly Hal, where he's trying to figure out if what Rebecca's doing is for real or not. So the audience is in the same position that the character is in, in that case. And uh, that's always a good thing to do. Was there ever an impulse to shoot the whole script from front to back, though, as if it was a play? Like, I don't know if you had any rehearsal time. Like a one you mean? Not even like a one I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, was there any like an impulse to uh, have the actors act out the entire movie from front to back uh but you would be on set trying to conceptualize visualize looking for angles oh 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 that's an interesting idea uh no it, it didn't it didn't uh that had that had not occurred to me i guess the way that i sort of work visually is i i tend to work better um like just being able to like sit with the script and just sort of like close my eyes and, or, you know, read and then take breaks and you let your mind sort of drift. And these blocking ideas kind of come to you as you're reading it. And at that point, it's like the sky's the limit, right? Within the confines of the space, like anything is possible. And so that was how the, the blocking kind of came to be. And then once you have the blocking, you can figure out the camera stuff. Um, so, so that was, that was sort of helpful for me. I always feel like it's a very exciting creative space to be in where you're just sort of like, sitting at a desk by yourself and you've got the script, the script is totally done. And now you're just like, okay, what are the shots going to be? And that that's always a thrilling place to be. And they say the most crucial element of getting a film made is nailing the casting. And you've only got two actors in this movie. So you better nail that casting yeah. <laughs> was cast first. And what was it like just having them read opposite each other? I, I I'm curious to know what you saw in each one of them that made them perfect for these two. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, they were, they were absolutely perfect. We were so fortunate to get them. Margaret came on and then Chris came on maybe like 10 days later. It was very fast with Margaret. I think it was, well, in once upon a time in Hollywood, she has this sort of like electric guitar whipsaw kind of quality. There's, there's a sharpness to her and the way she uses her body language and all the ticks and gestures there's like an intensity. There's just a great intensity to that performance and to what she can do. And so when I was thinking about her for this, I was thinking about that level of intensity, but I was also thinking about her great performance in Fosse Verdon, which is completely different. It's 180 degrees. She's very vulnerable. She's very emotional. There, there's, It's like just a completely different style of acting. And so I thought like, oh gosh, she would be absolutely perfect for this role. She has the intensity and the electricity to play this dominatrix. Um, but then at the same time, she can go vulnerable when we need her to go vulnerable and just access this totally different register. And uh, it was just, yeah, it, it was thrilling to watch her, to watch her inhabit that character. And then with Chris, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I've been a fan of Chris's for so long. He's had so many great performances. And I've noticed that Chris is able to do this thing where there's sort of like a heaviness and a gravity to the way that he inhabits characters, where he's able to present who the character is on the surface to the world, but simultaneously he's signaling to you, the viewer, 
He's giving you these little hints and clues as to what the character is really all about deep down. And that kind of like that idea of like many, many layers, like deep below the surface of a character was critical for Hal because Hal starts out as one kind of person. And the story is about peeling back all those layers and reveal and realizing that he's a very different person underneath uh, the surface. And he's, he's not really particularly introspective and he's not, um, really facing what's really going on in his in his psyche, and Chris has the sort of depth and and uh, heaviness uh, in his acting style to be able to like convey that that sort of intensity. Um, so uh, it, it was, and then watching them opposite each other because their acting energies were were sort of different and complementary. It was just yeah, it was a thrill to see it come together. They're two of the most exciting young actors we have working today. I was like, oh, man. It was part of the reason why it was a blind watch for me when I saw it in Toronto. I was like, it's got Margaret Quilly and Christopher Abbott in it. This is going to be dynamite. And then final question here, too. Uh, you are still relatively early in your filmmaking career. I'm curious to know, what was the biggest learn for you from working on Sanctuary? That's a really interesting question. I think the biggest, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, so Sanctuary is a really unusual movie in that it toggles through very, very, very different stuff, like um, atmospheric, uh, very different atmospheres, right? It's like, it can be very funny at one moment. It's very suspenseful another moment. It's it's toggling through all these different atmospheres. Um, and what was interesting to me about it, what, or sorry, what I think I learned uh, that was kind of fascinating was um, you don't frequently get to toggle between those very different atmospheres in one movie. That's an unusual thing. Um, and so I learned something that I had never really thought about before, which is like, well, how do you do that? Like if you have like a, a funny scene and then you're going to go to a suspenseful scene or the other way around, like, how do you make that transition? It's a hard left turn. How do you do that? And um I, I, is it, and isn't it weird too that us on the outside we can spot it and we can see it happening, but then if you're right. like in the moment trying to make it happen yourself, it, right. it like almost messes with your brain. Yeah, it, it was. It was I, at the beginning. At the beginning, I wasn't sure. I was like, I'm gonna have to figure this out in order for the movie to work. And what I figured out for me that worked for me and and hopefully works for viewers was it was this idea of like dropping the stimulation just way way down so basically it's like if you think of atmosphere like um on a scale of one to ten so it's like this scene is like a seven for suspense and the next scene is going to be a five for comedy so you can't go from like a seven for suspense to a five for comedy it's like not going to work but what I figured out was like, if you drop the seven suspense down to like a one or a zero for suspense, then it's so low on the suspense scale that it's not on the suspense scale anymore. It's just like this kind of weird, like, like fundamental, like foundational atmosphere that can be anything. So you drop it down to nothing and then you can go to the other atmosphere because a zero for suspense is also a zero for comedy. So yeah, I love that. Um, sorry, one other thing just popped in my head really quick. Um, I got to ask because I've wondered both times I've watched it. Where did the idea for the titles come from? Oh, for the the interlude, the color fields. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I I was a huge fan of a film called Simon Killer, uh, which Antonio Campos directed, and he had these 
really great like stroboscopic uh, interludes in it that I always thought were very, very beautiful. Um, and then when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about like there needed to be like act breaks of some sort in order to try to keep things, you know, you want it to work as a movie. Um, and I needed some kind of like act break idea that would be a way for people to catch their breath. Um, and I thought back to those stroboscopic visual interludes and I thought maybe we could do something in that universe. And of course, Punch Drunk Love has them as well. And it's also really effective in Punch Drunk Love. Um, so I was thinking about those examples and I was like, oh, I guess we could do something in that tradition. Yeah, it's really effective. It's such a dynamite firecracker of a film. I really think that uh, anyone that takes a moment to watch it is going to enjoy it. Uh, Zach, I really appreciate the time here today. Uh, can you tell us what you have coming up next that we can look forward to in the future from you? Well, I'm basically just trying to, to write new stuff and uh, and develop new stuff. Obviously, there's, you know, a strike at the moment. And so, uh, you know, that's that's got to be resolved. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, hope to, to be able to get new stuff out there and, and get new stuff made. So get the creative juices flowing and in yeah. due time, I'm sure. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Zoe Rose Bryant's interview with the stars from Sanctuary, Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley, and my interview with the film's director, Zachary Wigan, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Sanctuary is now playing in theaters from Neon. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.